Good morning. What, what are we doing up here? Today we begin our celebration of the season of Advent. I thought we were celebrating Christmas. Advent is traditionally four weeks before Christmas when we begin, when we prepare our hearts and minds for the birth of Jesus Christ. The word Advent comes from the Latin word meaning come or arrive. We use these weeks to concentrate our thoughts on the coming of our Savior. We remember his first coming as well as look forward to when he will come again. Oh, so it's kind of like getting ready to, for someone to come and visit. House cleaning, cooking, and... <laughs> Not exactly, but, well, kind of. It's good to spend time during the busyness of getting ready for Christmas to slow down and really remember what we're celebrating. And since there are four Sundays in Advent, we give each one a special theme. Today, the emphasis is on hope. Oh, I know a lot about hoping. I hope I get my driver's license in January. I hope to be. I hope I get a part in the next play I try out for. I hope we have a snow day soon. Not that kind of hope. What do you mean? I thought hope was crossing your fingers and waiting for something to happen. We have a different hope in Jesus Christ. Read Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. Oh, I just haven't memorized. The day will come, says the Lord, when I do will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. The Old Testament prophets hoped for a savior. Our hope now, since Jesus did come, is a guarantee straight from God that he's coming back to us all into his presence. Author J. Kim writes, this is what Christian hope looks like. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Hope is buoyed by something great that has happened and something even greater that is going to happen. Read 1 Peter uh, 1 in the message translation. Oh, I have that memorized too. <laughs> what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead and we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when we'll have it all, life healed and whole. Wow, that is hope on a whole nother level. Absolutely. Now let's spend this week preparing ourselves for that hope. I get it now. I, th I have a lot to think about this week, but I still hope I get an A in geometry. No way is that happening. So the next four weeks, um, I've structured our, our four messages around the, the four candles of Advent. Uh, today is hope. Today is hope. I like that passage in uh, Jeremiah, the Lord is our righteousness. When we can't shine, he shines for us. We could never shine. And we need him to shine in us. The Lord is our hope. Uh, next week will be faith. And then we will have joy. And then we will have peace. And then there's always the Christ candle that we light uh, at Christmas. Uh, that he is these things. This is, this is part of the message today. He doesn't give these things he is these things and that's a big difference we need to grasp that truth 
So if you have your bulletin, grab that and follow along. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 13, 14, and 15. Fear leads to hope. So I'm dovetailing Advent into our series on the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is good. We need it. If we fear God properly, then we will place our hope in God and not in anyone else. For that reason, we have no, no need to fear anyone else because our hope is not in them. Our hope is not in our own hands. Our hope is in God's hands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13, 14, and 15. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. God, we come to you this morning and we pray you would make this truth resonate in our hearts. We are not always quick enough to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And we often fear the wrong things. So as we read your word and talk about it, Lord, show us how a proper fear and love of you will give us a hope in something eternal, everlasting, spotless, and righteous. Help us to understand that today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Oh, I won't know. Well, yeah, I might bump into that. Sometimes I get excited. So fear leads to hope. 1 Peter 3. I came across another song on the radio this week about no fear. Has anybody been listening to the radio songs with new, with new ears? Anybody else? Did you hear have you heard it? Uh, there's no fear in God's presence. I'm like, well, yeah, there's the fear of the Lord. That never goes away. But uh, just just reminder, there are two types of fear. And usually we're talking about the negative type of fear. And people don't want there to be any fear. And they say that we, in God's presence there is no fear. That's the negative fear. That's the bad fear. But we do need to embrace the fear of the Lord so that... He becomes our greatest hope. What is going on? I don't know. I don't know what's going on in my heart sometimes. Or do I? I say I don't know, but the Bible tells me what's going on. I love myself. I love my stuff. And I have too great of an affection for other things when God needs to be the one thing, the chief thing, the greatest thing. So fill in this next blank. 
The proper fear of the Lord leads believers out of earthly fear and dread. That's where we camp. But the proper fear of the Lord leads us into holy fear and hope. An earthly fear is limited in its perspective, but a holy fear sees God as who He is, who He needs to be. What is the reason for our hope in Jesus Christ? That's the simple, simplest way I can phrase 1 Peter 3. He's, if I were to reframe that passage, what, what, what is our hope? What do I talk about? If I'm supposed to talk about my hope, like, well, what, what is hope? What's the reason for hope? Verses 13 and 14 set the context up for us. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Well, the normal answer, who's going to harm you for doing what is good? Should be nobody, except this day and age, it could be somebody. People might harm you for doing good because you have offended them. You, they have misunderstood what you are doing. They may think your motives are evil, even though you're doing good. Or maybe it's simply against the law to do good in the way you are doing good. There are a lot of ways that people could find reasons to harm you for doing what you say is good or even for what God says is good. world's upside down. For the most part, you won't be. So it's a little rhetorical, but not completely. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Verse 14, but... That's the practical reality of the Bible. He acknowledges it's going to go sideways sometimes. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, suffer for doing what is right, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Have no fear of who? Have no fear. Don't be afraid of the people who might persecute you for doing good. That's a big statement. Nor be troubled. Why? Well, we're going to get there. That's going to be verse 15. First, write this down. There's someone greater than humans to fear. There's somebody greater than the people right in front of you. Even if they can harm you, even if they can hurt you, there is something greater to fear. But not be afraid of God. Remember, there's, there's the positive and the negative sides of fear. When we fear God, we're fearing somebody who is, last week, gracious and good. Have no fear of them, Peter says, to a suffering church. Don't be troubled by other people. In other words, focus on eternal things if you want to stop worrying about earthly things. That's one way to think of fear. Stop, stop fearing earthly things. Focus on eternal things. That, that shifts our thinking. Jesus says in John 16, I don't know why this verse has popped into my mind so much this year. Maybe because we're all having a little bit of trouble. Jesus says, in this life, in this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. 
But he also says, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. What comforting words. I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, you need to overcome it now. Just get over it. Just grow up, just be stronger, just... He says, he has overcome it, not me. That's a big difference, right? He says, you're going to have trouble, handle it like a man. No. Handle it like a believer. The Lord is your righteousness. He says, I have overcome the world. So, don't fear everything else. Fear Him and join Him and hope in Him. He needs to become our greatest hope. Our hope in Jesus Christ is that Jesus truly is more important than everything else. Jesus is more important than anything else, than everything else. Do we believe that? It would change the way we shopped. It would change the way we write out our Christmas lists. It would change the way we pray. It should. Seeing Jesus as the most important person, relationship, belief, doctrine, however we want to rephrase that, seeing Him as most important focuses our fear onto the one thing that really matters and takes away our trouble. I mean, when I got into my first car accident, Jesus was not the first thing that came up into my mind. I worried about other things I worried how, how, what, do, how, what do I do what, do I I didn't, and I didn't tell anybody about it and I just let it grind me up it's amazing to me when somebody has an accident first thing they do is call their mom like well done well done your first thought is to reach out to somebody who can help, even if they can't help. Even if they're not Craig Page. Like, I call out to him because he can actually fix it. But most of the time when we call out to somebody for help, it's somebody not just to fix our stuff, but to fix us. We, our hearts, reach out for comfort. We are desperate to hope in something. We are designed to hope in something. That's why the world hopes in the wrong things. They're doing their very best, but they're missing Jesus. And Peter is talking to a, a suffering, persecuted, first century church when he says, don't fear what other people can do to you, and don't even be troubled by them. And Peter knows they're going to have trouble. He says, don't be troubled. He doesn't say don't have trouble. They've already got it. So he understands what he's saying, but he moves on in verse 15. But in your hearts, 
Honor Christ the Lord as holy. If you're the kind of person who highlights or writes in your Bible, honor Christ the Lord as holy is the main point of this passage. He doesn't do like we do in a good thesis paper where you bring up the main point and then you develop it. He's developed the problem and then he brings the main point. He acknowledges the problem and then he hammers home. This is the main point today. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. That is the big idea. And if you get that right, then you won't be troubled by other people. And you won't fear them. It becomes a sub-point. Isn't that nice? When you focus on what matters most, God relieves your fears of the world. That's the point. It's so clean. Christianity should be so clean and focused that when we have Jesus, or rather, when Jesus has us, the cares of life lessen. doesn't mean we don't care. It means we don't care the same way as the rest of the world. doesn't mean we don't grieve, but we do not grieve as a people who have no hope doesn't mean we don't hurt, but we don't hurt in such a way that we want revenge or we want to get even or we need to cope. We need to find the next hit or fix. We're supposed to find everything we need to satisfy our souls and the, our need for hope in Jesus. Thankfully, this is the season for that. We're singing about it. We're decorating for it. Some of you are wearing ugly Christmas sweaters sometime soon. It's coming down the pipe. I know it's going to walk through the door. I'm just going to assume we have fun with it, right? We celebrate Jesus in a lot of different ways. But don't miss this. He needs to be your hope that carries you through your darkest hours the rest of the year. Honor Christ the Lord as holy honor um in some translations that is the word sanctify and that's kind of a funky place to put the word sanctify usually when we talk about sanctification it's the process by which god is improving us or changing us he sanctifies he sets us apart he regards us with his attention and his spirit is sanctifying us changing us but here it says sanctify Christ the Lord as holy. Like, wait a minute, he's already holy. How can I make him holier? No, it's not about making him anything. It's about setting him apart in your heart as higher, as more esteemed, as first above all. So for you to sanctify or honor Christ, it's to keep him special in your heart and in your mind. And don't miss this contrast that Peter set up. There's a big contrast here between verses 14 and 15. Have no fear of them, verse 15, but honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here's what, that's the contrast. Do not fear them, fear Christ. That's the contrast. He changes the words, but that's what he's saying. Don't fear what other people can do to you. Fear Christ. That's what it means to honor Him as holy. 
What does it mean to be holy? Set apart. Perfect, righteous, and all-consuming fire. Can you stand in front of an all-consuming fire that's rushing down the valley and not be afraid? All-consuming fires, that's part of their nature, is to make you afraid. If God is our all-consuming fire, we fear Him, but here's the thing. We invite Him in because He burns away what shouldn't be here and purifies what He gives us. He makes us better. It's a purification fire, not a, not a destructive fire. So fear the Lord. Don't fear them, verse 14, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Fear Him. Always being prepared. If you're going to prepare for anything, you need to think deeply about it. And if you're going to prepare, you need to do something about it. What does it mean? What, before, before I show the answer, the next point, what do you think it means to prepare, to, to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that lies within you? Eric, what does that mean? To prepare to share your reason. What's that, what does that mean? What? Testify. Yeah, to testify, to talk. Anybody else? What, what, do you, what does it look like to you? What do you think it means to... To be prepared to share a reason for the hope. Get ready. How do you get ready? Did you get ready for church this morning? Well, yeah. I, I'm not, I was, yeah. Thankfully, he's not wearing his jammies, is he? <laughs> Study. Just like anything else. To prepare is to, is to take off one thing, to put on another thing, and to move forward with purpose so that you can do something, communicate something, get something accomplished. Pay attention. And pay attention. <laughs> so here's what I want you to write down for prepare. You need to prepare for a 30-second response and a 30-minute response. You need to be prepared for all circumstances when somebody might question why you have any kind of hope in Jesus. Why did you pray? Why is your family holding hands when they pray? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you have that Jesus is the reason for the season yard sign <laughs> or sweatshirt? Why do your Christmas cards always have a manger scene on them? These are questions you're going to get from family, friends, neighbors. What is, what is the reason for why you do what you do? They may not say for your hope, but that's what they're asking. You're motivated by your hope. That Jesus is who he says he is. Think deeply, write it out, rehearse it. Uh, keep a Bible in your car or your backpack or your back pocket, a New Testament and the coat and your van. Have tracks. You can have, you can have cheat sheets. God doesn't say you have to memorize all this stuff. You can have it highlighted. You can have, you, you know, but you need to be able, you need to have an app for that. There are apps for that. You need to have it bookmarked in your, in your Bible, on your phone. Take a screenshot of that. Put it somewhere where you can pull it up quickly. 
But the quick, the quick response is, God is holy, I am not, but Jesus is righteous, and I've repented of my sins, and I'm trusting him for my salvation. There's the quick response, longer response. Well, we don't have time for that today, but it's your testimony. That's the easiest thing to do, is to turn to the many ways that God has changed you and make him the hero of your story, not yourself. You gotta make, you gotta, I've heard some testimonies where they spend 30 minutes talking about everything they've ever done wrong, and then three seconds, but Jesus saved me. <laughs> right? Like, like, don't make yourself the focal point of the story. Show how you've done some bad things, but God has done some great things. Make sure Jesus is the hero. He's the reason for the hope, not your darkness. Your darkness is just a tool to turn you to the light. God can use even your sin for his good. Doesn't mean we sin. We don't trample under underfoot the grace of God so that we get more grace. His grace is already abounding. Already abounding. So honor Christ the Lord, set him apart, fear him, prepare, think deeply, write it out, have a quick response ready and also a, a long response. I went to a funeral yesterday of a, an elderly gentleman I played pickleball with, uh, 91 years old, and he was, a, he was a lifelong athlete, and uh, just wanted to pay my respects, you know. He'd been healthy his whole life, then he got a diagnosis of, uh, I think it was, oh, pancreatic cancer. If you know anything about that, hits hard and fast. He took the time to write a letter to his grandkids, his great-grandkids. Knew he was going to die, knew he wasn't going to be here for Christmas. Took the time to write it out. So one of the things his uh, grandsons wept over. He handed me a letter to hand to his great-grandkids because he wouldn't be here. Thoughtful, thoughtful. Do we really care about the people around us? And if we knew we were dying, would that change the way you act today? I got a newsflash for you. You are dying. You may not be here for Christmas, honey. And I don't say that to scare you but to stir you up, to prepare your heart. Is there somebody in your family you have not given them the reason for your hope in Jesus? This is the year. Do it today. Write it down. Have somebody proofread it for you. Share your faith. That's what Peter is saying. And Peter knows some of these church members are going to die. They're being persecuted heavily, not just in Jerusalem, but everywhere that the word is being shared. It's coming under attack. And he's trying to inspire these people. Hey, live for Jesus, die with no regrets. Have a reason for the hope that is within you. God is my creator and redeemer. Write that down. Here's the reason for hope, for my hope. God is my creator and my redeemer. And we need to have both. 
you sit down long enough and you stare and ponder at the beauty and the vastness of space and you look at the stars, it should cause you to tremble at how small you are and how uncertain everything seems to be. How crazy is it that we have people planning on how to launch nuclear weapons into space to blow up stray meteors that might hit our planet. You even have physicists <laughs> and rocket scientists who lay awake at night worrying about things. And they come up with a plan. I've got a plan for you. Jesus. Doesn't mean we can't be prepared. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be prepared. But if you really ponder where we are in all of creation and you see how small you are, you're going to feel kind of swallowed up. You're going to feel insignificant. It could be overwhelming when you start thinking about your mortality. How within 100 and 200 years, nobody's going to remember you. None of your stuff will be used by anybody or appreciated by anybody. If it's good and if it's precious, it will have been melted down by then and used for something else. And you will be gone. And there will be no memory of you. What is the reason for your hope in Jesus? Because I live beyond that. I don't live for this earth. I don't fear the things other people fear. I fear and I love God. He's my creator and my redeemer. And the redeemer part makes him special. My hope is in Jesus because I cannot give myself faith, joy, or peace. The Advent candle words. I can't give myself that. I cannot give myself hope. I cannot give myself faith. I cannot give myself anything that I need for godliness and for Christian living. I need to receive it all. Receive Him. Receive Him. So my hope is in Jesus because I cannot give myself faith, joy, peace. I need somebody stronger. Ephesians 2 is clear that even faith is a gift from God. We're saved by grace through faith. Joy, I can't give myself joy. Joy is found outside of me. I need someone bigger to give it to me. Peace I cannot bring peace. I need somebody bigger, stronger to bring peace out of my chaos. That's what I'm good at, creating messes. I need somebody who brings peace into each and every situation. So God's holiness as my creator causes me to tremble and kneel before him. Write that down. God's holiness as my creator causes me to tremble and kneel before him. What do we usually do in front of things that we are afraid of? What do we usually do in something you run? That's where the fear of the Lord is different. We fear the Lord and we approach him. We fall down before him. We let him overwhelm us. That's what God does. He overwhelms us, swallows us 
up in his victory. And that's a good thing. So as creator, I kneel before him. But then, as my gracious redeemer, God causes me to rejoice in the hope of salvation. God's graciousness as my redeemer causes me to rejoice in the hope of my salvation. We know that's Jesus. Only Jesus and forever Jesus. So this Christmas, we are not simply celebrating uh, a birthday. Even, even before I started being a church, coming to church, I thought that was weird when people talked about celebrating Jesus' birthday. Like, I never heard about that before. I don't know. My parents didn't make a big deal about that, but I always thought that was kind of, uh, I don't know, just struck me as strange. Uh, and here's why. Because I see Christmas as an invasion I see Christmas as God dropping the Jesus bomb on planet Earth. And he starts something very small. But it's reverberating throughout time, throughout country after country, changing one person at a time. I see Christmas as an invasion. Who invades with a baby? That's the irony of it. God's great weapon against our sin is a baby. Like, nobody's ever done that before. And nobody can equal the power of it either. Because he didn't just send a baby. He sent his son. Not one of many like he has so many choices. He sent his one and only begotten, totally unique, one of a kind, Son, Jesus, the hope of my salvation. Jesus Christ did not come to be adorable. <laughs> he came to destroy sin and death. You read the crucifixion accounts at the end of the Gospels. There's, there's not much there that's pretty. No mistletoe, no shiny lights. It's bloody. It's gross. It's horrific. Jesus didn't come to be adorable, but I'll tell you what. Come. Let us adore Him. We love Him for it. Wow. The words of these songs, guys, you've got to pay attention. Listen to what is being sung. Listen to the, to the, to the, to the hymns, to the carols. We are singing about King of Kings, humbling himself, taking the form of a servant, so that we would know he's not only our creator, but he is our redeemer and he's gracious. Don't fear what other people fear. Death, suffering, trouble. Fear God and love him. Draw near to him. I fear God. And I draw near to him for his goodness. Write that down as we go. I fear God and I draw near to him for his goodness. <laughs> Not his goodies. Here's the last distinction I want to make. Let 
We do not draw near to God and fear Him so that we receive gifts. Jesus is the gift. Following God and following Jesus does give us benefits. Hope, faith, joy, peace, love. All the other fruit of the Spirit come with the presence of Jesus. But He's not here to give us individual gifts. He is interested in giving Himself to all of us. To all that is you. Not just loving God for his gifts, but for his personal goodness. And when you have grandparents, you're going to get to watch that unfold. Do those little boogers only love you and snuggle up to you and cling to you and dig through your pockets? Is it just because they want the goodies? Or do they want you? Sometimes when they're little, they can't distinguish the difference. It's only as we grow up that we distinguish. My papa didn't buy Christmas presents for me. Because <laughs> he didn't shop at Mervyn's like my grandma did, right? She went to Sears and Mervyn's. She wore out a path between those two. She was the one who did all the shopping. She was the one who, who bought all the gifts. She was the one who wrapped all the gifts. She was the one, and I knew it as a kid. If you wanted something, you tell Mama. But I love climbing up into Papa's lap. And he didn't buy me anything. I knew they went together like peas in a pod. I knew that when she wrote from Mama and Papa on there, I knew what she meant. I knew he'd provided. I knew he was the strength. We don't crawl into God's lap just because we want to eat his M&Ms and we want to get closer to his dry, roasted, unsalted peanuts. We don't crawl into, into, into God's lap because we want more presence. We do it because he's good. And we feel safe there. And he becomes our hope. Our singular, always bright, always burning hope. Is God your greatest hope today? Stand with me and let's pray for that. However you've come in, whatever state of your heart and your life, however you are suffering, this Christmas come to Jesus, because God is with us, not against us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your heart. Dear God, we come to you praying that this year we would feel your pleasure, that we would find you to be all the hope that we need, that we would accept and remember your goodness. We tremble before your power, but we draw near because you are good. Help us to not miss Jesus this Christmas. Prepare our hearts 
even now, God, give us a name. Give us a face. Give us a family member. Give us a neighbor. Give us somebody to share our hope with. Don't let us be afraid. Don't let us be troubled. Help us to share our hope to a lost and dying world. Help us to be different. In Jesus' name, amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven. today is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 13 and 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through, your, through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or mouth, word of mouth, or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Amen. You can be dismissed.